coming on a very late, late, late time here. So it's midnight. So it's midnight. It's 12.09 at this point in time that you are listening to this radio program, to those um, waves that are entering your brain and doing a lot of good stuff, I bet. I just, out of the blue, just started recording. I don't have anything prepared. Well, perhaps I just pause it and prepare everything in that case. I, I, I need it just kickstart, you know, because it has been a hassle. It has been a struggle to start doing the pod. But I just got out of a, of a, of like some newly found friends. They all um, came to know that I do this and it was very nice that they were very impressed about about the fact that I had a podcast. I, should, I think in, in my head, I think everybody has a podcast, you know? So it's not that impressive of a feat. Um, but they were they were pretty impressed by it. And I don't know, it's it was a very nice, it was a very cute thing to, to observe because, I don't know, it's, um, I tend to become very jaded about things that I do and things that I enjoy doing also, specifically. And I take for granted, right? And I, I actually take it for granted how people might perceive it or how people might think that uh, it is or it's not something that's laudable. And it is. It's cool. Even though they were like saying nice things without having listened to to the thing, so their expectation might be one, but that's and it's actually a whole other thing. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, kind of motivated me, and I just spent a lot of time talking as well. So I'm, I feel loose, you know. I feel sort of um, I feel that like I, like I I have some grease on my oils, you know, in my oils, wheels oils. Chris, Chris, because I, thought I was thinking oil in my in my wheels, but now it's grease. You get it, you understand. I think you understood what I just said. Let's just generate the album. Let's just see whatever. So it is um, sort of a synergy sort of thing that happened, because it's also very lonesome. It's also an album that is steeped in simplicity through the complexity of the songwriting, the complexity of the delivery, and the uniqueness of the person in the realm of the album. Uh, it's a very personal, personal singer-songwriting record that also pays somewhat of an homage to Pink Moon, the album that I, that I talked about uh, last week. And although it's much more dense instrumentally, it's much more um, complete in that case. It doesn't it doesn't set any any like reasonable and visible boundaries in regards to the instrumental palette or whatever would be happening in terms of the production side of things. But 
it's bare bones and it's very delicate and it's very sentimental and also um, looks into human tragedy and, and, and loneliness and longing sort of like the same way. It goes without saying that Pink Moon, it's a very influential album. It's going to be influencing uh, pieces of music that speaks to those adjectives, you know, to those um, sensations, to those mental states. And we have an album here, I believe I mentioned already. It's an album that speaks about transformation and the motivation for the transformation is the insufficiency of oneself, right? I think that's sort of like the main theme of the record here. I think it's the main thread line that travels through the songs. It can be sort of spotty. It's not an entirely coherent album. It has very sad ballads, but very bombastic, sort of almost bearing like glam rock ideas sometimes as well it, it it does travel some different uh styles and 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 it's sort of sort of all over the place right and we have all over the place not in a in a bad way it just plays around with a lot of different tempos a lot of different propositions in terms of songwriting some ballads they have a crescendo, some other ballads they have a more, you know, clean cut piano ballad. Sophia and Stevens carry a low approach to them in, in, in many ways. Some, um, some tracks are very orchestral, very bombastic, as I said. They can travel the, the, the experimental sometimes, you know, because you have such a unique voice. It is sort of a soprano, very boyish inflections through it. It has a very strong vibrato that he uses. He has uh, the 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 strength and and the, the ability of a professional opera singer in a completely bare-boned and vulnerable and naked sort of way of, of, of a very soulful way of delivering the, the, the notes, you can say, the song, right? So it's sort of like it comes, uh, you don't know uh, where it came from, you know, when he starts singing. Um, it is sort of like very much like Nina Simone in a way, but in in a you know in a more frail body, it's in some in some weird sense. I don't know if that made sense, but it's like it's that sort of power of a voice, but in a very frail physical state. I think that comes across uh, with the singing. In I think that he's a very strong producer as well. He's a very strong songwriter. He has um, both his contemporaries uh, in the Vendor Bernhard and Rufus, Ren Wen Rufus, Rufus Wainwright. So they both participate in the album. I don't think the Vendor sings in any particular song, 
but Rufus definitely does, and they get paired up together quite nicely. Um, it's a very, very catchy, catchy tune. It's not to his necessarily uh, style and, and liking of, of of a piano ballad and all that. It's 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 obviously a Anthony Johnson's song, but he fits quite nicely. Yeah, I'm just looking at the. <laughs> It's so funny when that happens. I'm just looking at the Wikipedia just for me to know the personnel of the album and talk about that sort of thing. It's not at all to just, you know, espouse the opinion that's in the Wikipedia article. And it compares him to, to Nina Simone. And I hadn't seen that. I promise I haven't seen that. It just came out of it. It just it speaks to the to the ability of the the main singer-songwriter there in Anoni um, to really like to be compared to Nina Simone right and it's sort of like a glam imagine if Nina, uh, Nina Simone was the leader of a glam pop band from the 80s but got old you know <laughs> that is sort of what the, the idea here is with this record, I'm not really sure exactly where he, he slash she uh, went with his other material, but definitely uh, this record here was way more akin to the very chamber pop, very orchestral, singer-songwriter folk music that dabbles into uh, some experimental and some very soulful, simple ballad sort of thing. I think that's pretty much it. I think that's definitely worth the listen, especially f for the first song. It's a really like droning in, in, in your emotions sort of thing, because you have hope there's someone, which is the ultimate, like, you know, longing for 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 someone and and being hopelessly alone in the in the universe right my lady story speaks to the transition that happened later down the line there with his uh with his transition to the to the female uh side of things for today i'm a boy also speaks to that sort of idea man is the baby not sure what that means. Uh, you are my sister. I don't know. Maybe that's a play in, in within the feminine thing. That I don't know. I'm interpreted. I'm interpreting too much, but you can see those sorts of themes and how he was very true to himself. You know, as a singer-songwriter, songwriter in that uh, album. It's a very soulful, very um, voluminous intense elastic it's very touching pretty honest as well it's a great album it's a great album i think that i ran ran out of things to say i think that i described his voice i described his influences i think that i described the the change that happened the transition that happened i don't think there's any anything else to say about that as well and about the genre 
I think I nailed it in the head. I think Lou Reed also sings in the record, on the record. And Boy George, which is, you know, exactly what, at this time he was sort of like a washed up 80s sort of, uh, he died, I believe, right? I don't, I don't know if he did or not. Is he dead? No, Boy George still alive. Okay, that's all right. Good for him. But Lou Reed definitely died, right? Not very, very, very much. Not many years after. Well, almost ten years after this. Um, obviously, Lou Reed is a over over shadowing figure of not only American um, experimental rock and roll. But also, he plays a good part within the gay community, you know, like the gay sort of, he represents a lot of the gay footprint in music, because he, I think he was one of the first uh, openly um, gay men to really, you know, push through in, in, a, in, a term, in, in terms of being on the spotlight and, and being on the, on, the, on the mainstream there. I don't think there were too many to speak of. I really think that he was one of the first openly gay ones. I think that that, I mean, you can think George Michael was a big one, but even him, I think it took a while, you know, for him to come out. I think that, yeah, I think it's like mid-90s that stuff started happening. And I think that he was straight, it's, it's not straight up, right? I think it was like gay from the get-go, you know, sort of thing. It remains to be seen. I'm not sure when he came out of the closet. But anyway, um, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it was very early. Um, but coming back to coming back to Anthony and the Johnsons, um, yeah, very, very dear record for me. Very old, very old album in my, in my recollections in here. Came to know this record pretty early on uh, and always loved it was always very very fond of the of the melodic capacity that the album had like and again like his voice is like you know when people say that the weekend it's like always entertaining when he's in, when he sings and he is right he's always you can always find something interesting that he's doing with uh, with his voice anthony Anthony Johnson's on this album and his voice as a whole, right? And I think that this is peak form for sure, this record, especially like singer song, songwriting abilities and, and, and like his voice, you know, that's pretty much peak form. Um, he speaks to that as well. You can, you can say that he's like infinitely entertaining. It's always he's one of those uh, performers, right? Jeff Buckley, Fred Mercury, many, many, many f um, jazz singers from the from the fifties. Sarah Vaughan, you know, Ella, uh, James, Ella Fitzgerald, and Simone. Those sort of capacity, uh, that that sort of height of 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 talent and 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 quality, you know. I think that he has that. And I think that the packaging that he puts things in as well is very interesting. Not only his personal, his personal 
uh, struggle, let's say, but also the way that he, like the honesty, the brutal honesty that he puts into the songs and, and, and uses that bareness and honestly and honesty to just reverberate even more like whatever the feeling is inside that he just reverberates you know he's just so all that like combined you know like the quality of his voice the quality of his, the 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 nature of the experimentation in the record works in the records um, favor because it would be very easy to get drunken by the sadness that he displays so you have to have some sort of counterbalance to that you know and to be explosive and to be very piano like and to be very like Elton John like oh Elton John also it's definitely something that can be put as an influence here yes i almost forgot it's obvious right that that you put those things together piano super emotional delivery and piano you know elton john of course especially in the 70s like the peak of his career uh, that i that i think and i think most people also agree um it would be more blues oriented and sometimes even country and very very arena arena rock sort of thing you know sometimes very spacey sometimes very progressive as well uh, within that time spaced spaced out right very long tracks and that sort of thing it was the progressive era so he did some of that too and yeah, definitely some traces of, of a more sensitive and more and more brittle sort of Elton John and, and David Bowie and Lou Reed and all of those very much, you know, and you can you can put some some the cure into the mix as well, Robert Smith, you can put some Morsey into the mix there as well, you know. But it's very unique. It's of course you can X-ray the project, you can X-ray the album, and say, "Oh, those are definitely influences." But that's very, very much in service of the compositions, and it's in service of the the artists in question. Great album, great album. It's really worth a listening. Uh, worth a listen. I think you will deepen your probably your understanding of because it definitely did mine right so you probably deepen your understanding of how much an an emotional delivery how much of an emotional delivery someone can give you you know that's what i mean it's a great record it's definitely a classic already. It's a classic of the chanted pop sort of thing. It, it keeps with the um, with the tradition of the Smiths as well because the cover, I think it's a picture of a aging sort of uh, 
Movistar. I think that's sort of sort of it, you know. That's uh, and the Smiths were famous to just take pictures of, of of movies or take pictures of like old old uh, old photographs from from magazines and all that, and that became the 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 album cover. Only later, Morrissey just put himself in the cover, but that speaks to that to that as well. So you have a Smiths connection there. It's a yep. Yeah, like a very thin connection, yeah, to be honest, but it's there. I'm very tired, okay? Bye. That's it for me. Anthony the Johnsons. I am a bird now. Bye.